We fell in love with Rachel Stott's art when she drew the 12th Doctor for Titan Comics. Making Peter Capaldi's hair a character all by itself. Now she's joined by writer Jody Hauser, and they're telling the 13th Doctor's story. The third issue just came out, so let's dive in and see how they've captured the TARDIS fam. After all, it's the only place we'll see them for the rest of 2019. And that's a cheery thought to start the 82nd episode of This Week in Time Travel. Well, this is a earlier recording time than we normally have. Well, you know, early to bed, early to rise makes a Doctor Who podcaster really, really grumpy. How's the caffeine? <laughs> um, the caffeine is is making its way into my blood system now. So I'll let you know in 15 minutes or so if I've woken up. Oh, great. Uh, so I shall, I'll put in a chapter uh, heading for this thing. Uh, Alyssa, perkier. <laughs> uh, so it, we've actually had some news this week and we're going to talk about that and we're also going to talk about uh, something that we haven't gotten to because we've been talking about television so much the 13th Doctor comic from Titan there was lots of preview and build up and we're finally getting the story that the road to the 13th Doctor comics was teasing. So we'll get into that and we'll talk about a couple of our favorite people who are making this comic series. But first, the news. And holy shit, we actually have some right now. Okay, mental note, edit out the... Oops. We do have news. It's not quite a missing episodes find, but it kind of is. Well, it's basically something that's going to help us recreate missing episodes. So new, higher quality audio of those missing episodes was found. This was announced New Year's Day, so you may have missed it in between either your hangover or watching the new Doctor Who episode. And they're calling them the Randolph Audio Tapes. That sounds an awful lot like the Reynolds pamphlet. Have you heard this? Oh, Lord. So the Kaleidoscope Volunteer Restoration and Recovery Group uh, have announced that the quality is the most consistent of any collection of these episodes that they have found, and that many of the episodes in the collection are now probably the best source for future remastering of these missing episodes. A couple of key points here, uh, very well recorded, either through a direct line to the tape or through a very, very well-placed microphone, but these include episodes ranging from the back half of the first episode of the Daleks Master Plan all the way up to the Moon Base Episode 1. And unlike a lot of the previously existing audio recordings of classic episodes, these included the cliffhangers and the reprises, reprises, I never know how to pronounce these things, and even some of the continuity announcements over the closing credits. So as most deeply involved fans know, while there are a lot of episodes that have been lost in terms of video, an audio recording of one sort or another exists for every episode of Doctor Who ever made, which is just wonderful. Now we've got some even better stuff that can be used for future re-releases of audio or if they go to animate more episodes that they've got better quality stuff to go behind it. 
Yeah. And that really makes a difference, you know, to actually sort of have the feel of the old story and to still have a bit of the original actor's performance. So thank you to all the home recorders who managed to record such high quality audio from these missing stories. Thank you all the little nerds of the 1960s. We appreciate you. God bless you, everyone. Speaking of the classic series, Twitch is back back again the classic series live stream that took fandom by storm last year is coming back for a rerun actually twitch.tv ran just about every existing classic series episode in sequence uh minus a except few. for the ones that the terry nation group would not allow to be sent out on twitch <laughs> I'm saying this word with the same expression that Matt Smith used when he talked about Twitter on Doctor Who. Lawyers. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know that it'll have the same buzz that it had before. The, you know, London 1965 meme is probably coming back. I think it really ought to be London 1966 because it's a year later. Mm. You're, I'm not going to get any traction with this, am I? No. No, I'm sorry. For the audience who doesn't know what happened before this episode started, I went in and I edited the show notes because I thought he had a typo in the meme. No, I was trying to create a new one. I No, I'm sorry. <sighs> How big do you think this will be second time around? It is a rerun. There are very few opportunities for people to actually watch something globally at the same time, but it is a rerun. I think it'll actually do really well because a lot of people in fandom, when I was watching the conversations, were very excited that it was happening, but could only drop in for maybe a couple of nights out of the week. Or maybe they had one week with one era that they could sit there and watch it all, and then the next week they were out on vacation. So I think you're going to have a lot of people coming back to it who weren't able to watch it all the way through the first time around, you know, dropping back in on their favorite seasons, getting to catch up on some of the stuff that they missed. I think it's actually going to be really cool. It's going to be, you know, like before the days in which you could just stream everything you wanted online of saying, oh, I missed it. But now here comes the rerun. So I'll get to be here for the rerun. It will be fun to watch everybody come back for the memes, too. And it'll be good to have televised Doctor Who to talk about since we're not going to be able to talk about it for another freaking year, at least. Mm hmm. But speaking of the last televised Doctor Who, so the episode was titled Resolution, so it feels weird to be going back and recapping something that's been resolved, but bear with me. Overnight ratings were released for the New Year's Day special. It was down a little bit, but everything's fine. 5.15 million overnight viewers in the UK. There will be more viewing stats that are released uh, between the time we record this and the episode is released. But UK television was kind of down across the board over the holidays. I think that Doctor Who's ratings have been just fine this year. There is no cause for hair on fire, nor is there, I think, any fuel for the there's a female doctor now. Of course, Doctor Who is failing nonsense. Yeah, I think it seemed to kind of impact a lot of different shows. So cool down with the fatalism, everybody. Everybody's fine. And let's give some social media manager props, please. Absolutely. Big props to the social media manager for the government communications headquarters for reassuring Twitter that everything was fine after the Dalek attack. Would have given you bonus points if you could have actually like staged a conference room where things were messed up. But, you know, secure facilities and all of that, maybe. Right. Whatever. Cool beans. 
Yeah, and let's also roll our eyes at the right-wing British tabloids that were offended by the unit shutdown gag in the episode. This was not the thing to be most offended about. The thing you should be most offended about is that Kate Stewart was name-checked and didn't show up. Chibnall! Finally, uh, we are about a month away from Gallifrey One Convention in Los Angeles. Travel anxiety! Travel anxiety! And we have an update on some of the guests. So we are going to get director Wayne Yip, who directed Resolution. So it'll be good to have him back to talk about that. Director Rachel Talalay will be back. Writer Sarah Dollard will be back. And class actors Sophie Hopkins and Jordan Renzo will be there. Yay! Yep. A few other of the guests that were announced this time around include Lisa McMullen, who is writing for the Rose Tyler Dimension Canon series at Big Finish, documentarian and Big Finish writer Chris Chapman, artist Stuart Manning, and Rosie Jane, who is the actress who played Bill's mother in Series 10. And more. Go to Gallifrey1.com if you want details. Tickets are all sold out. There are transfer opportunities. And theoretically, we're going to get more guests announced before February. So seems like a couple of actors may have some uh, late breaking things that are keeping them from finalizing when they're going to be there. But I don't know. From the Twitter account, it sounds like there will be more big names to come. Gallifrey One is one of the biggest family reunions in Doctor Who fandom in the world. I know the organizers would strongly disagree, but I am just happy to see all of my friends. Full stop. This is pretty much the best part about the convention is LobbyCon. So we're going to check in on what's happening with our friends on the other incomparable podcasts. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the 13th Doctor in comics form. This week on The Incomparable Network. Lazy Doctor Who has not been lazy, with three back-to-back episodes finishing off The Dominators and starting on The Mind Robber. Batman University is back in session as the Incomparable's number one Batman fan and guests dig into what they call an unmissable train wreck, Fox's Gotham. And Tim and Jason review Black Mirror's Choose Your Own Adventure, Bandersnatch, and more on the 200th episode of TV Talk Machine. All this and more at TheIncomparable.com. So, Alyssa, you've been pretty busy in recent months, and for the last three months, the TV has not been the only place you could see 13th Doctor stories. Nope, the 13th Doctor comics have been out, and much as I wanted to go down to my local comic book store and get my own paper copies, I had to settle for getting digital copies on Comixology, but it's just great to have Doctor Who in whatever format I can get it. We were so thrilled when the announcement was made that the artist for the 13th Doctor comic was very familiar and one of our favorite people anyway, but it's Rachel Stott. Yes, and she is doing fantastic art with an author who has done some really incredible stories, including Amazing Spider-Man, Renew Your Vows, Star Wars, Age of Republic, and Rogue One, and Thrawn adaptations, and Faith, Jody Hauser. So really solid writer and artist team who have been doing some pretty fantastic work. Yeah, it's a great looking comic book, full stop. And I I do want to start with uh, talking about Rachel's artwork. 
I've compared her in the past to an up-and-coming legend in comic book art who we lost way too soon, uh, a guy named Mike Weiringo, who lived in my neck of the woods in Durham, North Carolina. Her art is very similar to his, so fluid, so expressive, not cartoony as such, but just sort of economical. She doesn't overstuff the panels or over-detail the characters, and yet they're just instantly recognizable. I'd also compare her art to uh, an old-school Justice League artist named Kevin McGuire. Her skill with facial expressions is just remarkable, and you saw that with her renditions of Peter Capaldi and Pearl Mackey. And the same thing is just so true of uh, the new TARDIS fam. Every nose crinkle that Jodie Whittaker does, she can replicate that on the page. These are very, very good likenesses of the main characters. I particularly enjoy what she's been doing with the 13th Doctor because there is kind of sometimes a reluctance to let women characters in comics look a little bit odd, look a little bit weird, to let them look anything but completely gorgeously beautiful the entire time. Um, and I really love that Rachel lets her be the odd doctor that she is, lets her scrunch her face up, lets her pull silly faces. And not to say her art isn't beautiful, it is, but she is creating a real character and not trying to make all of the women characters just stunningly beautiful the entire time. You know, she lets them be weird. She lets them do awkward things. She lets them scrunch up their noses and crinkle their eyes and all of those great little humanizing bits. There's a great panel in the very first issue, uh, fourth page, where the Doctor and Fam are looking at sentient nebulae. And Yaz has a question about if the nebulae are sentient, doesn't that make those bursts that we're watching a massacre? And 13th Doctor is like, oh, no, not at all. And then comes behind Yaz and Yaz is sort of leaning against the Doctor while the Doctor is doing the arms wide, all in wonder kind of thing. And that is just so adorable between the Doctor and Yaz. I feel like Jodie Hauser and Rachel Stott are giving us some of the moments that we wish we'd seen in the series. Especially the fact that Yaz has got a few more lines than she did in Resolution. Yeah, although not quite, not still not quite enough to suit me. Let's talk about the writing a little bit in that you've always got a hard job when you're doing comic books about the current Doctor and the current status quo. I think it's easier to write stories about the 10th Doctor or the 11th Doctor or even the 12th Doctor now because their stories have been told on television and you don't have to worry about stepping on the showrunner's toes in any way. This series of comics so far, these first three issues, they felt very, very, very faithful to the style, the tone, and the pacing of the TV series that we've just finished. And I think that that's a plus and a minus, that they're all very recognizable, but it's kind of deliberate storytelling. This is three issues that I almost wish had just been two issues worth. Possibly, but I also think they were operating under a hell of a lot of constraints at this time, because at the time in which they must have been working on this series, they probably had very, very, very limited access to 
really anything about what was going to be going on in Jodie Whittaker's first series. Probably did not really have anything much to work with. Scripts and stills, that was probably it. Even if they even got many of the scripts, you know, might have even just been a couple of scripts. So I think it will be different as we move on because now both Jodie and Rachel have seen a full first series, you know, that they've seen how the team operates. They have seen the scripts. They've seen where people have been going with things. And there's more spaces in which to sort of insert random stories and more references to play off. So I think it's very careful at the moment, I think, probably because they just they weren't given much to work with to see what these characters were actually going to be like. I'll be curious to see not what this first story looks like, but the next one that the both of them will be working on. Because I imagine at that point, they're just going to have the freedom to run wild and be crazy. Because also, with all of the lead up and build up to the first 13th Doctor comic, and like, Titan was selling the hell out of this. So well done to the marketing team. Oh, yeah. Uh, But it also probably meant the BBC and Titan were like, really, really focused on this first story. So hopefully next time they just get to go wild because like Jodie Hauser and Rachel Stott just flying off with no constraints on anything that they do can be pretty flipping brilliant. I didn't mean to say flipping, but Chip will be mad if he has to edit another swear of mine out of this podcast. (laughs) I'm used to it by now. The storyline itself is, without going too deeply into spoilers, you have a couple of scientists who have been pressed into service as cross-time and space art thieves. They've invented vortex manipulators, and they're almost immediately hijacked by this alien dude who they call the Hoarder, who uses various means of extortion to convince them to steal valuables from over time. So it's a very Series 11 TV kind of plot. Definitely. But it's interesting. You know, it's a it's a fun way to take themes, ideas, technology that we're already familiar with as Doctor Who fans and see other ways in which they can be applied. And the bad guy alien, a great design by Rachel Stott, just it and its little henchman bug dudes all look just so good. He feels like a Chibnall villain, you know, definitely peak capitalism. (laughs) Some of the little details in this most recent issue that just came out, issue three, that I really liked. There's a scene where a character has tried to hijack the TARDIS and has been subdued and In perfect 13th Doctor style, her solution to how to deal with the problem is not to throw him in a brig, but to have tea with him and talk it out. And they're sitting around the TARDIS console and everybody's drinking from a nice china teacup. But the teapot is Mrs. Potts from freaking Beauty and the Beast. And the 13th Doctor is drinking from a mug that reads Universe's number one dad. Yeah, that was the touch that I really appreciated. It took me took me a moment of reading that to go, did they really do that? Yeah, they really did that. So that was fun. Can you imagine having to swap out all of the mugs that you had in the TARDIS just being like, well, now I need to get Universe's number one mom? I don't know. I'll have them both. 
come to mommy, come to daddy. You know, it's the routine from the same. They've been playing with this all along and I and I am here for it. I also really love the interchange between Graham and the doctor later in that issue, which is I think it speaks to what you were saying before, Alyssa, about getting a feel for the characters. Once you finally had the chance to see them on screen interacting, Graham says, Doc, are we really supposed to just walk right into a mysterious alien temple? No map, no supplies, no information of any kind. And the 13th doctor responds, you're finally getting it, Graham. And that is... These are licensed properties. These are, in some respects, when you're talking about adaptations of currently running TV shows as opposed to pulling stuff from the past, they don't always capture the essence of the TV series. And this does. This totally does. These are the characters that we've seen on television. I just I I read that line from the Doctor and Graham. I was just like, yep, this is it. This is the show. This is all that they do, really. It's fun to get to see the characters back on screen. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to the next couple of issues to see how the situation with the hoarder is resolved. Yeah. And then I think more importantly, I'm looking forward to seeing the next storyline, because like you said, you know, this is establishing. This is what I think the TV series actually did for much of series 11 was played it a little bit safe to try to lay that foundation. And I'd like to see what happens next. I love Jody Hauser's writing. You mentioned her work on the Star Wars Age of Republic series. These are one-shot stories about major characters from the prequels and Clone Wars era of Star Wars. There have been three that have been released so far, one for Qui-Gon Jinn, one for Darth Maul, one for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Jody Hauser's writing all of these characters, and these one-shot stories are packed and memorable, and they write the characters certainly better than they were written in the prequels. I mean, so I like very much what Jody Hauser is doing with the current run of the 13th Doctor comic. I'm just excited to see what's next, and that's kind of how I feel about the state of the 13th Doctor and Series 11 and after Series 11 just in general. So go pick up a copy of the new 13th Doctor comics, either on Comixology or your local comic book store. Both Jody and Rachel are going to be at Gallifrey One, so we are very excited and hope to be able to see and talk with them there. Thanks for listening to This Week in Time Travel for this week. Well, that was redundant, wasn't it? You can find <laughs> us on the web at thisweekintimetravel.com. We're on Twitter at DRWhoThisWeek. Alyssa tweets and blogs on Tumblr at Whovian Feminism, and I tweet at numeral two-minute time lord. And you can also find the podcast on Facebook. Thanks to Christopher Breen for our original theme music, to David J. Lore for our original podcast logo and avatar, and please review us on Apple Podcasts, consider becoming a member of the Incomparable Network, and tell all your friends about us. We really appreciate all the support from you guys and all the work you do to uplift our podcast. How's that caffeine hitting you now? It's, it's, it's hitting. It's hitting. We'll see. Awesome. We hit our pace, and we're at the end of the episode. We'll see Yay. you next week. Yay.